0: It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. All right, welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife. This is Chester Moore, and I'm very honored and privileged to have Dr. Rodrigo Medellin. He is a biologist with a very interesting track record. We are talking beforehand. He liked my my bighorn shirt that I'm wearing and uh, worked with bighorn sheep. But I'm here to talk today about my favorite animal on the planet, where we're doing this series about the jaguar. And uh, he just said something in just our introduction of me and him meeting here online that's such a truth about jaguars, that jaguars are probably the most mysterious large cat in the world. Uh, There's so much more about tigers and leopards and lions and all the subspecies of tigers, for example. But jaguars are still very much a mystery, aren't they, Doctor?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation, Chester. And and we know very little about jaguars. We know very little about their requirements. Uh, And one of the big questions in my mind has always been, how come a, a very similar animal like the leopard mm-hmm. is able to coexist with humans in continents like Africa or Asia, even in cities? You find leopards in cities in Africa that's and in Asia, but amazing. as soon as humans encroach in the habitat of jaguars, they immediately disappear. They just yeah. disappear. They they mm-hmm. cannot cope with the presence of humans. You know
0: yeah that's an interesting thing because uh, if you look at the jaguars range i mean i've I've seen estimates of 40 percent of its range being reduced now um and things like that and then the, the fact that it's difficult to count these animals that's interesting because I, I did see about uh, an area i mean there were even leopards in israel uh as late as the 1980s living near haifa and places like that mm-hmm. but you don't hear about jaguars inside of mexico city or you know or or inside around caracas or somewhere like that
1: yeah exactly like for example when uh, when another pandemic not this one but mm-hmm. when uh, the h1n1 influenza hit mexico so bad that we, mm-hmm. that we just shut our borders and everything. Within three days, Chester, within three days, my people in Cancun were reporting Jaguars coming in to hotels in Cancun, to the wow. gardens in Cancun, even entering the, vil- the buildings because everything was absolutely abandoned. I can, I can really visualize the Jaguars Going on the edge of the road, on the right, on the edge of the forest, right there, going cars, 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 cars. There's all lots of cars, and then all of a sudden, there's no cars, there's no cars. Whoa, no. there's no cars, there's no people. I can retake my my territory, and then they started moving, and then of course they started getting in trouble because they don't want them in the in the in the uh, in the hotels. Same thing happened last year, mm-hmm. when this pandemic started uh, hitting us. And the, the jaguars started taking over um, uh, Cancun and many other areas. So this is just a li- tiny little glimpse of what mm-hmm. is going to happen once humans are not on this earth. Rest assured, why is taking over again from us.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting thinking of like, you know, all of a sudden no people and this cat moves in, which shows some kind of aversion to being around humans, some kind of intelligence or instinct that says there's really trouble there
1: exactly Mm
0: -hmm. now in terms of uh you know jaguar problems right now um you know you're talking about an animal that ranges from argentina into the southwestern united states and it's a huge range people think of them as a a rainforest animal but they live in the high desert and they live in different areas like that and um, i know there's a lot of problems across the range but what kind of an impact is poaching in particular for jaguars at the moment because i've heard some pretty scary reports from places like bolivia
1: yes exactly i mean uh we know that of course habitat destruction is a big uh threat Mm -hmm. to virtually Mm -hmm. any other wildlife species but we have been uh assessing all of the threats that affect jaguars and the top the number one uh -hmm. threat that is affecting jaguars is actually illegal take illegal Illegal mm-hmm. killing by a number of different uh, uh, sources, you know? One is, of course, the revenge of the, of the cattle rancher. That, you know, they, the livestock depredation, and they just go back and, and, and kill them. We've been working with the federal government for about 15 years now, uh, setting up a, an insurance program in which and it's not just insurance that oh mm-hmm. i uh, 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 a jaguar killed two of my calves give me the money it's mm-hmm. not like that we make the cattle ranchers co responsible of having good ranching practices in other words mm-hmm. not leaving the cows to just give birth in the middle of nowhere out there because okay. you know jaguars are not big enough to kill a, an adult cow they're going to get the calves so if they take care of their calves and they synchronize all of, the, all of the cows to give birth in the same two months of the year instead of every month, then the window of opportunity for the jaguar to take one of your calves is much, much smaller. Makes sense. Uh, and that has been working really well. And the other thing that we ask from the cattle ranchers is to not kill the native prey of the animal. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that we cannot expect anything other than the jaguar attacking calves if they don't have any peccary, any wild wild pigs, or any deer or any mm-hmm. wild prey, and they're going to go to whatever they find. So they, mm-hmm. the, the cattle ranchers, the landowners, they have to be responsible to stop or seriously reduce the 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 hunting of the of the of the wild prey. So that is one of the one of the big sources of of poaching that we want to we want to avoid. Another one of course is just the thrill of killing the largest cat on the planet on the continent mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. wanting to have a skin or the mm-hmm. the skull or the teeth or whatever. And one last one that is more recent that is really, really, really scary because we have other examples of what can that lead to is the illegal trade in the Chinese market for teeth, for bones, for claws. Uh, we have already, in my own personal experience, we have lost some Jaguars to that illegal take that ends up in the, in the illegal trade, in, in the illegal market in China. Uh, mm-hmm. As you know, in Chinese medicine, they really look for all of these bones for big cats. They started with tiger. The original yes. tiger balm is an example. Everybody uses tiger balm. that has nothing, no tiger in it, but it's mm-hmm. called tiger balm. And, and they have a very strong tradition of using big cats. But yes. they run out of, ba- of tigers. So what yeah, do we do, what do they do? They go to leopards. And then they run out of leopards. What do they do? They go to Africa and start taking lions. Mm-hmm. And now that the lions are in short supply, they're coming to this continent and starting to take, uh, to take, to take jaguars too. Uh, yeah. This is scary. This is very, very scary.
0: Yeah, you know, because I know that there are a lot of uh, in the industry from Asia and things like that. I've even read where in, um, I think it was Bolivia, they were openly advertising for it um, for parts. You know, openly advertising for it, and the customs agents had found some.
1: There is a there is a couple of uh, undercover uh, investigators that are mm-hmm. digging out uh, information and evidence, and mm-hmm. tracking down the sources and uh, yeah. um, mo of the people that are involved in this uh, illegal activity. You mm-hmm. know that illegal illegal wildlife trade is one of the top five. Uh, biggest illegal activities in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and of course, in this case, guess what? It's the Chinese Mafia that is behind this whole thing. And it's the mm-hmm. Chinese Mafia that is behind the Jaguar trade. It's the Chinese Mafia, the same individuals that is behind the totoaba, this fish in the upper Gulf of California, yes. that is that is determining the, the demise of the vaquita, the smallest in the world. Mm-hmm. It's the same people. Mm-hmm. We have to get our act together and get our government to really act and crack down on this on this mafia.
0: You know, I did quite a bit on the Vaquita about four years ago. Um, Dr. Guy Harvey with the Guy Harvey Ocean Foundation did some things with us, and that was heartbreaking to learn about that. That you know, there's so few, but that it was that one particular fish that they're looking for in that area and in the, the commercial trade of that. But this shows a, this shows a different level, I think, that most people realize of threats to wildlife conservation because when you're dealing with Chinese mafia, for example, or maybe cartels, that's not necessarily like dealing with people who maybe are substance hunters or the bushmeat trade. This is kind of a different level of crime.
1: Absolutely different, completely different. This is almost a luxury kind of market. Uh, we are appealing to the Chinese people from many angles to, to see that this is really not sustainable, not conducive, and it has absolutely no effect. I mean, you can replace tiger bone with cow bone, and it do the same to you. Absolutely nothing. It's nothing. Uh, so we really need to come together as a, as a, as, as a planet and ask that the Chinese government really cracks down on this. They have said, yeah, and you know that this is connected to the pandemic as well, so mm-hmm. they have said that they are going to crack down on this. I see no no sign of that happening. You, you still see the huge loads of shark fins, for example, mm-hmm. exposed in the market. Sure. When, w- w- if that continues to happen, we're going to run out of virtually every other species in the world.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a pretty frightening thing, you know, and uh, especially with the species, like you said, that it's so difficult to survey, so difficult to get in these areas and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about something about the cat itself. Um, uh, one of the things that's always fascinating, because when I was a very early, young, little, little wildlife journalist, when I was like 20 years old, I got to go with Texas Parks and Wildlife when they radio collared cougars, and uh, one of the cougars had moved like 100 miles you know, in one year a male had moved a long way, and that always fascinated me. Uh, we were talking about an animal that habits, huge kind of range. What kind of individual range could a jaguar inhabit? I mean, how far would a jaguar move, a male or a female, or is there differences?
1: Yeah, well, as you know, females have a smaller range than males, but uh, a male, for example, in the tropical rainforest, one of my main study sites in the south of Mexico, uh, the, um, the big males have 300 square kilometers um, Mm -hmm. range, you know, 200 Mm -hmm. square kilometer range, and they patrol it, and this is exactly, and we've been documenting this, this is exactly the kind of genetic connectivity that we want. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, We have some jaguars, some male jaguars, that are swimming across the biggest river in Mexico that is the border with uh, Guatemala. Mm -hmm. This is the Usumacinta River that is about one kilometer wide. Wow. Not like the Rio Grande that, we, that separates us. But this sure. is a one kilometer wide river in the rainforest that has a very strong current. This guy would spend three or four weeks in Mexico mm-hmm. and then swim across the Sumacinta River, go to Guatemala, visit his Guatemalan girlfriend for three or four <laughs> weeks and they get come the back so that his Mexican girlfriend would not get upset, you know?
0: <laughs> I hear you. This you is exactly the, the
1: <laughs> kind of genetic connectivity that we need to secure. And then you go to the north of Mexico, to the state of Sonora, mm-hmm. where I also work, mm-hmm. yeah, in which we have a very, very small population of jaguars in a very low-density area of jaguars because it's not prime habitat. But those are the jaguars that had been, had in past, had been the source for the occasional jaguar that would go into the US Southwest, the state of Arizona. Um, we had, uh, we've been working with, with Arizona for a long time, and we know that uh, that over the past 20 something years 25 years in Arizona you guys have had in the United States you guys have had at any one point in time one Jaguar one Jaguar Mm -hmm. alone and Mm -hmm. that one Jaguar has always been a very old male that Mm -hmm. has been dislodged from their territory in Central Sonora and Mm -hmm. the Central Sonora and they from there they, they travel across to the other side of the border, uh, about 300 kilometers, 400 kilometers to wow. the north, and then establish themselves there in the hopes that there might be a female there. Of course, there's no female there. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, now with the, with the wall, there's no chances, my friend, that you guys are going to have a new Jaguar again in, in the foreseeable future.
0: You know uh it's incredible to think about a cat going across that kind of range we're talking about these threats as they travel that obviously might increase chances of opportunity for for you know for bad things to happen whether it's going across a roadway or a snare or being shot or whatever like that Mm -hmm. but um i guess the positive of this is that you know when you like you saw the close you mentioned the closure of everything and then they're coming back and that the fact that you are learning more has to be hope for the species and the fact that you're finally getting to learn a little bit more about the species
1: yeah we we need to to learn a lot more and and you know one Mm -hmm. of the big hindrances that we have one of the big limitations that the law enforcement agencies have and even uh, scientists like myself have, mm-hmm. when when you find like a, a, a fecal sample in the field that you think might be jaguar, you cannot be sure. You have to sample it and you have to process it in a lab at a very expensive cost and a lengthy amount of time to get the answer back whether this is a, a jaguar indeed or it's a mountain lion, a cougar or what is it? right but then along comes the cavalry and along comes Natalie Schmidt with her technology which is absolutely amazing and it is going to revolutionize the way we do research and the way Mm -hmm. law enforcement is enacted around the Mm -hmm. world because her technology is going to let us in real time in the Mm -hmm. field sitting right there right there with a fecal sample Mm -hmm. right there In half an hour, you're going to know for a fact whether that is a Jaguar or not. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this technology being available everywhere in the world, because it is going to be available in the world. It's very affordable and Mm. in real time and very accurate. What else do we need?
0: Yeah, that's incredible for all kind of wildlife applications and thinking if you have an area where there's maybe jaguars supposedly surface and you see tracks, well, that could be a puma, that could be a this, you know, and then you go in and now, you know, oh, it's a jaguar or it's not a jaguar. So that gives you guys that are out there uh, in the field a great advantage in that genetic part. and And I interviewed Natalie about that, that genetic part of this whole conservation equation is the emerging hope in wildlife conservation
1: yeah uh, more and more fortunately and actually the pandemic has been a very big factor in in terms of uh, conservation professionals joining forces and and realizing that it's really on our plate to solve the next pandemic in a big way, basically because we know that the first line of defense for the next pandemic is ecosystem conservation. We need the ecosystems functioning and completely integral with all of their elements there so that it defends us from the next pandemic. Uh, and because of that, and you know that we have this one big cat in the continent, and then the rest of the big cats are in Eurasia and in Africa, et cetera. And we don't know enough about, about, uh, about our jaguar right now to take measures, to take uh, action to protect it. So we have reached out to South Africa. They, they know a lot about their leopards. They know a lot about their lions. And much of what they know, we can take and apply here in Mexico. But the problem is that Mexico and South Africa have never talked to each other before. It's this pandemic that pushed us to join forces and get together we had a meeting about 3 weeks ago in which we we presented what we know about the jaguars they presented what they know about the leopards and we are in the process of putting together an agenda to 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 connect uh, the two the two groups of professionals in which we're going to do parallel studies testing the same hypotheses for the leopards there and for the jaguars here and using some of their Uh, solutions for conservation. Some of our solutions over there, I'm really excited about this one, which is called uh, conditional taste aversion, in which uh, you basically lace the carcass of an animal that the jaguar or leopard, or whatever has attacked and killed and eaten partially, and you know that he or she is going to come back uh, in the evening and eat some more. You lace that carcass with this uh, drug, it's a it's a, it's a vermifuge. It, it 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 gets rid of your of the worms in your gut. Basically, it has no neg- no side effects, and even if you overdose, the only the only the only effect that it has as an overdose is exactly what you want. It makes the cattle the cat sick by eating the flesh of the animal that you put the, 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 the drug on. In this case, then, what happens is that think, for example, when you get sick, with you ate a bad shrimp, and you get food poisoning, and you reject that shrimp, you reject shrimp for months or years sometimes. Well, this is exactly the the response that we are enticing. We have a paper in press right now showing with seven jaguars that that is the case. We, we, we're we using that and it's working really well to keep jaguars from attacking again whatever the species that we train them against. That's
0: we incredible. We have
1: two jaguars that have stopped attacking cattle, two jaguars that have stopped attacking dogs, and three jaguars that stopped attacking sheep. Wow. And, and so far... It's still holding. We have the paper in press, but the results continue to come in because it's been well over a year, and, mm-hmm. and the jaguars are not attacking those, those animals. So, of course, the, the South oh, African no. people were really excited about this. I bet. And, and, and we are starting a, a, a joint project in which we're going to increase our sample size here, and they are going to start over there with a similar sample size.
0: That's incredible to think about because, like, I've been real familiar with them using Anatolian shepherds, for example, to protect um, cheetahs in areas because of uh, you know depredation and things like that. So if you just train them not to eat certain livestock, wow,
1: exactly.
0: Uh-huh. Now, so the, that's how the, to, the that, issue here. It's really funny because uh-huh. here
1: and in Anatolia, you have mm-hmm. a problem of ja- of leopards uh, or jaguars, big cats, attacking a specific species of livestock, right? Well, mm-hmm. one of the questions in in our meeting with South Africa was, you know, we have this uh, uh, this very expensive, very costly black impala. Impala are mm-hmm. like trash out there. Impala, mm-hmm. common impala, are just like everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. have them in Texas, yeah. by the way. But yeah, uh, we
0: do. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah,
1: yeah, but not the black impala. Black impala okay. uh, go to the uh, to to the order of about one million rand. And one million rand is about $50,000, Okay. one black impala. So they On wanted here. to train the leopards to not kill the black impala. I'm sorry, how can you? A black impala smells like a normal impala. Like a
0: regular impala. Exactly.
1: Right? So, yeah. And you're not going to train a leopard to not attack <laughs> their wild prey. So, sure. I, I, and when they when they voice that question, I said, "I'm sorry, we don't have an answer to to yeah, that." Yeah. You know,
0: we haven't got there yet.
1: And in Palisade, in Palisade, in Period.
0: Now, um, just to kind of wrap things up, we appreciate so much you taking some of your time, and I'd like to talk with you later, maybe at some point, about bighorns. Sure, no problem. I'm really into bighorn sheep, but uh, jaguars have so many interesting facets, and I've studied over the years. Uh, Some writings where, you know, native peoples talked about them sitting on the edge of the water and slapping the water with their tail to draw fish. You got all these stories about jaguars. What are some of the most unique attributes of jaguar behavior, maybe predation, that you've seen through research or or vetted through research?
1: Well, one, one, uh, one thing that always blows my mind when I think of jaguars is their incredible plasticity. We follow the diet of jaguars in many different ecosystems. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. and and this is what we thought would be the usual thing, they focus on the peccaries. Wow. On the javelina.
0: That's
1: amazing. Uh, They have enough strength in their bite Mm -hmm. force Mm -hmm. to cross their cervical vertebrae and kill Mm -hmm. them, right? Yep. But then you find, in some areas, that the jaguars are subsisting eating sea turtles. That's in Costa Rica. The 80% of the diet of the the jaguars is is sea turtles.
0: That's amazing.
1: And then in another area here in the south of Mexico, 80% of the diet is armadillos. (laughs) Armadillos for crying out
0: loud. It's like peccaries, sea turtles, armadillos. Everywhere, all over the place. Birds,
1: okay. yeah. mice, mm-hmm. rabbits, all kinds of things. So they're plastic enough to survive if you have uh if you have enough wild prey. This is mm-hmm. the key issue. They need to yes. have their wild prey.
0: Yeah, so well managed land and good habitat with exactly. abundant prey well managed exactly. will be beneficial for Jaguar, also for livestock owners because there'll be less opportunities or need for that cat to go to livestock. Exactly, and,
1: and, and we have one more element here that we're in the process of exploring right now, which is jaguar-friendly beef, working mm-hmm. with the cattle ranchers. Mm-hmm. If they allow the jaguars to coexist, they let the wild prey there, and they may have to lower the amount of cattle that they have, or maybe even uh, uh, withstand a little bit of predation then mm-hmm. the University of Mexico is going to give them a label that goes on their beef saying this is Jaguar friendly wow. beef we're not wow. killing the Jaguars and that of course is going to be go to a premium uh, the, the the customer the the, the mm-hmm. final consumer is going to pay a little bit more in order for t- for the uh, travel uh, cattle ranchers to keep the Jaguars
0: there just like dolphin safe tuna exactly you know, you tuna or bad friendly tequila Dol- of course yeah, there, there you go. So you got it all together there. Exactly. But uh, it's fascinating. You know, this cat's always intrigued me. And uh, when I was a, uh, when I found out, you know, that jaguars used to even live right where, where I am in East Texas many, many, many years yep. ago, I thought, wow, I can imagine going through the woods and you know you see this great cat there. But the same cat that's down in the Pantanal and down in all these different areas, and uh, it's an intriguing animal uh my media platforms my goal this year is we're going to try to get as many researchers on in print web um podcast radio to get the word out on what you are doing and all of you are doing to help the jaguar so we salute you and we appreciate this and look forward to communicating with you in the future
1: thank you very much Chester. it's been a pleasure talking to you
0: you've been listening to the higher calling hosted by the wildlife journalist chester moore Contact him at chester at ChesterMore.com. Follow him at the Chester on Instagram and his blog at highercalling.net.